How's everybody doing this morning? It is Baptism Sunday, so it is going to be an amazing Sunday. We've got four people signed up to be baptized, and I am excited to see if the Lord would lay that on the hearts of anyone else that wants to make that decision today. But again, my name is Andy. We are in a series called Priorities. I can't even remember what week this is now. Anyone know? Is this like week three, four? It's just like life is a blur sometimes. I want to jump right in as we have baptisms today. The title of today's message is this, Face Everything and Rise. Face Everything and Rise. Here's the message starting in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. We are traveling through the book of 1 and 2 Corinthians again. Paul is writing these letters to the church of Corinth. Corinth, if you're asking where is Corinth, it's in this European side of the world, and it's also, if you're thinking of modern-day context, it's probably like Las Vegas of that time period. He's preaching to a group of people that are very, very much entrenched in sin. Some, some of the chapters, he's encouraging them that they're speaking to a group of people that have, did you lose me there for a second? Check one, two. Check one, two. I'll wait a second. We're all good. Check one, two. We are back, back in the house. Side note, just uh, to share, I am wearing a Colts jersey today. I cannot wear my Mahomes jersey. I thought y'all would uh, maybe cast some judgment on a brother today. So anyways, we are back. Corinthians, he's talking to a group of people. Some chapters, he's encouraging them. Some chapters, he's calling them out. It just depends on where they're at. Are you still, you still got me? Okay, I'm like all tripped out up here. Here we go. So let's jump into the word. How about that? Verse 1, he says this. Therefore, somebody say therefore. Therefore. Since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Maybe I'm talking to someone this morning. You're saying, I have had a hard week, Andy. Even there were times where I just thought about throwing in the towel in my faith. Maybe you've had financial pressure, relational pressure. Maybe you've just been spread so thin. Maybe you just need to hear this morning. Do not lose heart. Let me encourage you. Verse two, rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to heaven but through Christ. We're not going to sugarcoat it. We're not going to water it down, but we're going to tell you that Jesus, by setting the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Verse three, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. But verse 4 says this, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. We've been taking this entire series to focus on what are the idols in our lives. What are the gods, the lowercase g gods of this day that have blinded us to the beauty of who Christ is. So that they cannot see the light of the gospel who displays the glory of Christ, the image of God, verse five, for what we preach is not ourselves, but what Jesus Christ as what? As Lord. Not just Savior, but Lord. I heard a quote the other day that this artist I follow, he said there's this thing called vampire Christians. You ever heard of it? An old theologian said that some of us, we want Christianity for the blood, but not the life. We want Jesus as Savior, but not Lord. We want his blood so that we can go to heaven, but the idea of full surrender, we're not down for that. Verse 6, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness. He made the light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. I want to work through three words with you this morning before we get to these baptisms. Access, anointing, and authority. Access, anointing, and authority. Here's the first point. Be encouraged that you have access to the King of Kings through the blood of Jesus. Praise be to God that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That every single person in this room, everyone watching online, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. No one can buy their way to heaven. No one can work their way to heaven. No one can dress up enough on their way to heaven. But we've all fallen short that there was separation, that God had to send his one and only son. He gave his one and only son so that we could be made 
reconciled back to the Father, the gospel. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15. I want to take a side note here and just encourage someone. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. You might be in your seat saying, Andy, you don't know what I've done. Like, yeah, he, he probably died for someone else in this room, but not for me. He died for what? For all. He was thinking of you. When blood dripped down his face, he was pierced to two pieces of wood, a crown of thorns on his head. He was thinking of you. He died for you. And we're convinced that one died for all, and therefore all have died. Look at what verse 19 says going on. And that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. He canceled the score, and he has committed us the message of reconciliation. You might be saying, Andy, I know people are going to get baptized today, but you still don't know my story. You don't know all the crazy things I've done behind closed doors that no one had ever known about. Let me just go down a list of a few characters in Scripture. Moses killed a man, and he led the, the Israelites out of slavery. Noah was a drunk, and he was used to save the world. Rahab was a prostitute and was a part of the lineage of Christ. David cheated on his wife and was a man after God's own heart. Elijah was depressed and suicidal and led a nation in revival. Paul was a Christian terrorist and wrote almost half of the New Testament. Peter cut off a man's ear. And led the apostles in the Pentecost awakening in the New Testament. Thomas doubted and was used by God to still be a part of the group of people that would change the world, flip the world upside down. Whoever needs to just be encouraged to hear this, you are not too far gone. That the grace of God is reaching out to you this morning. That you might have come here to support someone else in their baptism. And the Holy Spirit may be knocking on the door of your heart this morning to say, today is your day of salvation. Today is your day to say, Jesus, I don't just want you for your blood. I want you for your life to fully surrender to you. Look at what 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says. Therefore, if anyone is what? If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. This is the beautiful part about baptism. As we are participating in the story of the gospel, Christ crucified, buried, and resurrected, that when we dip those men and women down into the water, it is symbolic of them saying, your old life is being buried. It's in the grave. That Christ not only forgave your sin, but he forgets your sin. Do you believe that? That he doesn't hold it over your head. That's what the accuser does. The voice that you hear in your head that's always reminding you of your shortcomings, how you failed in this marriage or how you did this to your kids and you're just constantly shaming and blaming, that is the voice of what? The accuser. You gotta know the difference between the shepherd's voice and the stranger's voice. There's a difference between guilt and conviction. Guilt and condemnation is before Christ. Conviction is after Christ. Are you with me this morning? The Holy Spirit is the convictor. He's the comforter. He's the counselor. At the baptism of Jesus, it says that the Spirit descended upon Christ like a dove above him, and the Father said, this is my Son who I am well pleased with. This is the voice of the shepherd, the voice that speaks life and truth and peace. But some of us are in this room this morning, and we are in bondage to anxiety. We are in bondage to depression. We are in bondage to accusation. And the Lord came to say to someone, he did not only die for you, he came to set you free this morning. Do you believe that? The old is gone and the new has come. Let me just encourage you. Let go of what was this morning and step into what is. Let go of what the enemy says about you, what culture says about you, and step into your identity in Christ. Step into what the word says about who you are. There are certain messages that I give and, and some of them are meant to be primarily teaching. If you go back to last week's sermon, it was primarily a sermon to teach and equip. But in preaching, there's also this thing called exhortation. You see me do this a lot when I get up on stage. I'm not trying to get you excited and, and have an experience. I'm trying to call out faith in your heart. The rest of this message, I want to exhort and encourage you this morning. So look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It goes on to say this. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and what? Not from us. 
that Jesus is king, we're not. Verse 8, we are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Now, you could read this on surface level and think, okay, I've had a hard week. My boss said this to me. My family's going through this. But Paul is writing this as someone who ran for his life because he believed in Jesus. That he was persecuted. I mean, he was flogged. I mean, he was, you could name it, Paul probably went through it. He is saying, look, we were persecuted but not abandoned. Struck down but not destroyed. We always carry, feel the weight in his words here. We carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Christ may also be revealed in our body. Paul is the same person to say, to live is Christ and what? To die is gain. Paul had an eternal perspective. He didn't look at life the way you and I did. He didn't look at life saying, when's the Colts game start? I got to get out of here. Uh-oh. Now you're, I'm wearing a Colts jersey. You can't be mad at me for saying that. Okay. <laughs> he had an eternal perspective. He thought of every day as if it was his last, it would be gain. Because Christ is the prize. He gets to meet Jesus face to face. So he goes on. If death is at work in us, but life is at work in you, it is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. I will not remain silent, Paul says. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord from the dead will also raise us with Jesus. Baptism is actually a symbol of the ultimate resurrection, that Christ will come again, the trumpet will sound, and the bodies will be raised. We will have glorified bodies. This is our story who raised Christ from the dead, and the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Have you thought about that this week? When the negativity and the lies and the deception and the division and the chaos, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you if you are a believer in Jesus. That's good news. And all this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. But if you're taking notes, here's the second point that I want to just teach and encourage you through. Number two, moving from access to anointing will bring heavier attacks on your life. Some of us, we have settled for just having access to God. Well, I have access to to God. The curtain has been torn into two. If we know from Old to New Testament, I have access. Somebody say access. I have access to Jesus. Praise God. Yes, but that's just the first step. You have an anointing from the power of the Holy Spirit that you can tap into. It's not your power, verse 7 says, but it's his. Are you with me? But you got to know that when you move from a casual Christian to being completely surrendered to Jesus, walking in your anointing, you will be attacked. You don't fight flesh and blood. I'm not talking about other people. You fight a spiritual battle. In the moment that you tap into his power, the attacks will increase. I want to quote my buddy Jackson Free just for some comic relief. He said this, if you're probably not running into a demon every once in a while, you're probably running the same way as them. Shout out to Jackson, wherever he's at. Look at what 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 8 says. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this surpassing power. See, some of us, we walked into church today. You had a hard week, and you thought you were being punished by God when he's pruning you. That he's actually helping you experience his power in the persecution, in the suffering, in the growth. The surpassing power is from who? It's from God. It's not from us. Verse 8, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Why? Because our eyes are fixed on Jesus. Our eyes are on eternity. See, some of us just need to be encouraged with this. God is pressing you this week to prepare you. He is pressing you, squeezing you to prepare you for what he's prepared for you. There is a destiny on your life. There is an assignment on your life that the Lord in his grace, he allows the pressing, he allows the squeezing, he allows the attacks because he knows that it's through the valley that things grow. It's not on the mountaintop. It's in the valley. The Lord is my shepherd. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
I will fear no evil. God is teaching you, like David, to have confidence even when things rise up on all sides around you. David in the Old Testament, he says, even when enemies rise up all around me, even then I will be confident. Even then I will have strength. Even then I will have peace. Why? Because the peace of God, the anointing of God, is not dependent on your circumstances. It's what's inside. The world cannot take away what the world did not give to you. Do you believe that this morning? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. I want to teach you something. 1 Peter 5, look at what Peter says. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But let's just hang on this word for a second. Like. It doesn't say the devil is a roaring lion. It says he is like one. He prowls around like one. The great lion of Judah, he is the lion that we serve. He is the lion that fills your lungs with breath and with life and with confidence. He is like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Goes on to say this, verse 9, resist. Somebody just say resist. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. James says resist him and he will flee from you. Because you know that basically your life is not any crazier than other believers, but the family of believers throughout the world were undergoing very similar things. A lot of us are facing anxiety, depression, panic, and we're afraid to share because we're afraid that we're going to look weak. Here's the truth. All of us are experiencing some level of that. But there's just a few that are bold and courageous enough to say, me too. Me too. Resist. If you look in the Greek, this is what it means to stand up against. Now, I shared this about a year ago in a sermon in our series through James, and I want to just share this again. Some of us were so scared of the devil, we don't even know what to do. And some of us walk around like, I tell the devil what to do. I boss him around. Here's the truth. Either way you're, you're at, the devil's not afraid of you. He's afraid of the Jesus inside of you. Okay, so know this. There's many examples throughout scripture. People try to cast demons out and they say, we know you, we don't know you, but we know Christ. I mean, James literally says, even the demons know that there is one God and they shudder, they tremble. But resist, to stand up against. This is what you need to know about the word resist, okay? You can't stand up to Satan until you have bowed down to Jesus. When you go here, you're accessing the anointing that is his power, not yours. That's when the devil gets afraid, when you bow down. If you walk around saying, I boss the devil around, I kind of tell him what to do, I kind of have him on his leash, he's not scared of you. He's scared of the moment you go right here. Why? Because you're tapping into the access from the anointing of the Holy Spirit that gives you authority. Look at what Luke 10, 19 says. I have given you what? See, many Christians don't know that they have authority in Christ. Or many Christians abuse their authority in Christ. And they make it about Lamborghinis or big revivals. I've given you what? Somebody just say authority. authority. To trample on snakes and scorpions, to overcome the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. This is what Jesus tells the disciples. Another way to look at it would be this. You can't trample the enemy until you tremble before Jesus. He's given you power. He's given you victory. He's given you confidence through the word of God, through the spirit. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this power is, not from, is from God and it's not from us. This is the progression that we're making. We're going from humility. We're saying, Lord, I am not the king of my life. Here are my idols. This is my life. I bow before you. And then you live in intimacy, which is cultivating a really, really close relationship with Jesus where you talk to him as one talks to a friend. Look at what Jesus says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Verse 22. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles? And Jesus says in verse 23, therefore I tell them plainly, 
I will tell them to, to depart. I never, what? I never knew you. This is what you need to know. Authority without intimacy, authority without intimacy is religion. Authority without the intimacy of God is power with no pruning. Authority without the intimacy of God is abuse. Maybe you've experienced that before. It's religion. And religion is powerless. It has no power. It's just rules. It's just regulations. The power resides in one man. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He is never changing, never swaying. He is the one that holds the keys of the kingdom. But some of us are, are living in religion and rules to try to please God, to, to go to certain services to make sure that he's going to give us an applause. But the gospel is the opposite where you know there's nothing you could do to make him proud of you. It's the blood of Jesus on your life. Therefore, it says in verse 13, coming back to the main text, Therefore, I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe, therefore, and speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord from the dead will also raise us with Christ and present us with you to himself. So here's the third point. We'll be done in just a moment. We need to move from anointing to authority. James 2.19 says this, You say you have faith, but you believe in that, you believe that there is one God good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. I don't know what you went through this week. I don't know what attacks that have come against you. I don't know, but I know that it's not a coincidence. I want to read a few of the lyrics that come from the worship song, Tremble. Anybody ever heard that song, Tremble, by Mosaic? I've been listening to that song on repeat all week. And here's some of the lyrics. Peace, bring it all to peace, the storm surrounding me. Let it break at your name still. Call the sea to still, the rage in me to still, every wave at your name. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you silence fear. Breathe, call these bones to live, call these lungs to sing. Once again, I will praise Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Your name is a light that the shadows can't deny. Your name cannot be overcome. Your name is alive and forever lifted high. Your name cannot be overcome. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Do you believe that this morning, church? That that is truth for your life. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, though outwardly we are experiencing attack and persecution and pushback, yet inwardly, somebody say inside. Speak what's inside. Unleash it. Let it roar. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. See, the heavier the attacks, the heavier the glory. The heavier the anointing on your life, the heavier the pushback. But you will see God's glory. He will work it out for good. He will take what the enemy meant for evil. He will take the sickness. He will take the division. He will take whatever it is that you're experiencing. And he already has a plan to turn it for your good and his glory. An eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So church, verse 18. So we fix our eyes not on our circumstances, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I want to end with uh, a couple acronyms. I saw this this past week, and uh, it really hit me. I want to give you two different acronyms for fear. You ready? First one is this, and this is the enemy's version of fear. Forget everything and run. Maybe that's how you feel this week. And you're asking, why did I even get into following Jesus? How much more worse could it get? What's going to happen to me? Look at what Proverbs 28.1 says. The wicked flee though no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Let me give you a new acronym for fear as we close this week. Face everything and rise. Face everything and rise. Take it head on because if he is for you, who could be against you? 
If God has already gone before you, if he's already devising circumstances and ways where he's going to work it out for your good and your glory, does that not want to make your spirit shout a praise to the Lord to say, Lord, I trust you. Lord, you're working it out for my good. He's worthy of it all. Acts 18, 9 through 11. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Acts 18, 9 through 11. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. No one is going to attack you and harm you. I felt like this was just a word for our church right now. For I am with you. No one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. So verse 11, look at where he was. So Paul stayed in where? And where? In Corinth. For a year and a half teaching them the word of God. Face everything and rise, church. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Lord, as we enter into this time where we celebrate baptisms, as we feel the power of the resurrection in the room, Lord, I know that there's many people that feel captive in this room this morning to something. But Lord, I thank you that you didn't just come to die for us, you came to free us. And you say, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And so right now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, you know right now, in your seat watching online, that there's something that still has a hold on you. You know that you've been forgiven, but it's like the enemy is just trying to keep that leash on you. And the Lord came to say to someone this morning, you are unleashed. If that's you this morning, you just need to be unleashed from something. Would you just raise a hand right now if that's you? whether it's temptation, whether it's fear or panic or depression, whatever it is, I see your hands. Anyone else? Lord, I speak the word of God in the authority that you have given me. Lord, I pray and declare, God, that chains would break this morning right now, Lord, that the enemy trembles because he knows he's losing souls, he's losing territory, he's losing ground. God, thank you. You are setting the captives free. You're binding up the brokenhearted. You're bringing beauty from the ashes, Lord. Father, let your boldness and your spirit rest upon the believers today. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Everyone said amen and amen. I'm going to jump down here as we go into some baptisms here for a second. And I'm going to go ahead and invite Krista Crouch to the tank one time. Would you give it up for her? And let's go ahead and bring those lights up. Bring those lights up back there so we can see a little bit better. There's a couple dimmers back there. If we could bring those up. Krista and Brian are getting baptized. They are a married couple that has just joined the church. You're like, there's two dimmers back there. It's like a big living room, right? That's how it feels sometimes. Okay. Krista and Brian have some beautiful stories. And I want to give them time to share. So I'm going to hold the microphone. And before we jump into baptisms, let me just encourage you, if there's anyone else that wants to get spontaneously baptized today, we already have clothes for you. We already have towels for you. Jennifer, would you raise your hand right now? While we're doing these baptisms and these testimonies, if you want to get baptized, go talk to her. She'll get you a t-shirt. You can make that decision today. Today is the day of salvation. Amen. I'm going to hold the mic and I'm going to let Krista share for a second here. I'm a little older, so this is a little bit long. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was raised going to church twice on Sundays and on Wednesday nights. We all went. My mom, my dad, and my brother. My parents were very involved in the church. When I was 12, my parents separated, which eventually led to their divorce. As an elder, in our, at the, an elder in our church at the time, took it upon himself to tell me my parents were going to hell due to their, their, due to their divorce. I can remember exactly where and how we were sitting when this happened. Church was like a family. It was a safe place. This encounter took away the safety in those walls. At that moment, I began turning away from the church and God. My mom got tired of fighting me to go and I stopped. Fast forward to college. I met my ex-husband at Indiana University. He came from a solid Christian home and represented the stability that I longed for. Shortly after we were married, we began going to church. 
but I still wasn't fully committed. I was going through the motions and checking the boxes. A few years into our marriage, we moved to the Wisconsin area. When we got there, we went to church a few times, but eventually just stopped. Shortly after, my ex-husband wanted to leave our marriage. I was completely broken and shooken up. At the time, we only had our oldest child, Ariel, who was two. I was a stay-at-home mom, and I was really scared. But my ex-husband decided to put a stop to the things causing him to want to leave, and we began to work on repairing our marriage. We were great for a long period of time. We had two more beautiful daughters, Chloe and Sadie. We were married 13 years when my ex told me he wanted to leave me and our beautiful family for the second time in our marriage. For the same reasons that he did the first time. I was once again devastated, but at this point, I knew I had to find the strength to leave him. I did, but not through Christ. I was so angry and bitter with the hand that I had been dealt in life that I didn't believe there was a God who cared about me. I wasn't worthy of it. Here I was, alone, a single mom with three young girls, eight, six, and five. I had been so against divorce, and it was my greatest fear for my children. It was the last thing that I ever wanted them to experience. I also knew that I had to walk away, that somehow walking away saved them more than staying. So I walked away and I re-entered the workforce. My wife was completely turned upside down. However, I started to find my groove. Eventually, I met Brian on a dating app. By this time, I was having fun in my secular lifestyle, or what I thought was fun at the time. Brian won me over with his charismatic smile and, of course, his amazing sense of humor. And boy, is he a good time at a party. <laughs> Blending our families wasn't the easiest thing that ever happened, but it wasn't the worst either. We, however, were on a slippery slope. We were regulars at the local bar. It wasn't uncommon for us to be there two to three times a week. Eventually, Brian was drinking every day, and it was starting to affect his behavior and take a toll on our family. I threatened to leave him a few times, and he would quit for a while, but then it would start again. Neither of us were making a space for Christ in our marriage. We were trying to do this on our own. In May of 2022, we moved into our new home. We found out the Parloses lived in the same subdivision, and we reconnected with them. Michelle, being the person she is, made us some food and brought it over. A month later, they invited us over for dinner. Shortly after, I confided in her that my marriage was rocky due to Brian's drinking. I hadn't told anyone. I was ashamed. God knew that she had to be the one. I was convinced that he put her and Josh in our lives at the exact right moment. I'm still convinced of that. <laughs> they then invited us to church. Brian and I went to our first church service together, and we experienced the Lord in an amazing way. That same week, Brian went to the ICU, and we found out that he had type 1 diabetes. That diagnosis, along with returning to church, caused him to quit drinking again, and I thought this time it would stick. A few weeks later, Brian relapsed. This time almost broke me. I literally fell to my knees crying out to God. I had had enough with my earthly life. I just wanted it all to end. I cried for the strength to leave him. I knew I had to leave the best friend I had ever had. Brian Silver is an amazing man and an even better husband. But it was clear that this had to be the end. We began sleeping in separate bedrooms so that we could get our affairs in order. I also took him to an outpatient rehab center during this time. He began his outpatient treatment and he started to attend AA meetings regularly. We continued to go to church every Sunday together. However, we were still in separate bedrooms. It was during this time that Josh invited Brian to the men's Bible study here at 1. Brian came home from that study and he was so different and had a spark I hadn't seen in a while. He told me that he really wanted us to attend one church together instead of the church we had been attending. I reluctantly agreed. Honestly, I thought we were going to be too old for this church. <laughs> However, we came, and I saw a glimpse of the husband I have always wanted during that service. I cried and praised God so much that when Ellen introduced herself, all I could think about was makeup running down my face. I felt God that morning in this building like I hadn't in a long time. I felt his love, his forgiveness, and most of all, his comfort. I finally had some peace from the years of turmoil I had been in. I knew we had found our home. I knew that from that moment on, things would be different and we would never have to face our battles alone again. I knew that from that moment on, my pain had had a purpose. I also knew that Satan worked so hard throughout my life to turn me from God in hopes to keep me from this moment and the work that Brian and I will do 
to help the dream team and one church lead others to Christ. God knows the plans he has for us. I am proud to say that today, 128 days later, God answered my cries out to him and I have my godly husband and more importantly, a godly union in marriage. Not only is God the center of our marriage, but he's finally the center of my life. God heard my cries and instead of giving me the strength to leave my marriage, he did one better and saved it and more importantly, me. Instead of being angry that my life has been far from perfect, I now know that it is part of my purpose. My journey to God has not been easy, but I hope to reach others to him by sharing my testimony. I have fully recommitted my, recommitted my life to Christ, and I never want to walk these roads without him again. He is my savior. He saved my marriage. He saved my family. And most of all, he saved me. Give it up for that. Come on. It doesn't get better than that. Would you stretch out your arms? Let's pray for Krista. Father, we thank you. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. But Lord, I also thank you that you say in the New Testament, where are your accusers now? Lord, thank you that Krista is saved. She's redeemed. Fill her with the Holy Spirit afresh today, we ask, Lord. And I pray that over her and Brian, just such a hedge of protection, God, over their marriage. God, protect them from the evil one the rest of their days. Protect their children, God, and use them as mighty ambassadors for your kingdom. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen and amen. We're going to go off the mic here for a second. for Brian Crouch one time in the house. Woo! It's a little slippery there. Woo. Praise God. We prayed for that. All right, Brian. You want to read your story, man? I do. Okay, let me start before one church. I lived in Missouri. I moved here about ten and a half years ago. And I came here for, I say, a job a girl, but I was really running. I was running from everything. I've been running from God for most of my life. My drinking and my addiction became a serious issue almost immediately. I was okay for five or six years or so, handling it fairly well, relatively well for what I was doing, but then I started getting sick. Then I started getting really, really sick. Then on January 16th, a couple days before that, the Parloses invited us to I-Town, where we were going before. Josh, I love you, brother. I know you're behind me, but man, I love you so much. Let's <laughs> do. Help save my life. So anyway, we went to church, and I had been sick for four or five days, couldn't eat, couldn't sleep, was throwing up like crazy. We went to church that morning. I should have been going to the ICU or to urgent care, and instead I went to church that morning. And that night I should have went to the ICU, but instead I stayed home because I had to watch the Cowboys. They were in the playoffs. I seriously should have went to the hospital to watch that game. Christian, you'll appreciate this. The 49ers beat him. Should have went to the hospital. So the next morning I went, not knowing what was wrong. For anybody out there that knows about blood sugar, normal is 80 to 120-ish. Most of you sitting out there, that's where you're at right now, even after donuts. Mine was at 695. I should have been dead for sure. God asked me alive for a reason, and so you think that would make me stop, right? Well, that did good for about a month or so. What was missing all of these times that I tried to quit, just tried to quit, thought I had it, tried to quit? I was doing it myself. I hadn't completely given it over to God. Even once in my life, I just didn't. I used God as a side, kind of like a salad bar religion. You pick and choose when you want God to help you. I hadn't given everything to him. 
So May 2nd through May 5th, I had my last really, really bad relapse. So much that I don't even remember two or three days. Um, I drove halfway to St. Louis and back, don't even remember a second of it. It was crazy. But I finally gave it all over on May 5th. That is the day that Krista checked me into that place that she was talking about, and I decided I was going to bury myself in God, and I have every single day since. I finally gave it over to him, absolutely everything, and I'm proud to say I've craved nothing. It has not bothered, like, I am free. I had to bury myself in God. In Romans 12, too, it's ironic in our men's study, we're talking about this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. My will doesn't work, his does. And Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And Andy, you kind of stole some of it that you had at first in your sermon, but I'm gonna go down through a list of broken people throughout history. These people gave themselves to God and that's when they got fixed. You're right, Noah, he was a drunk and he was abused by his son, Ham. Abraham, he lied about his wife being his sister just to save himself. Moses murdered a guy. David murdered a guy and committed adultery. Solomon, just like in our men's study, if you read Ecclesiastes, very fascinating. He did everything to try to replace God and he learned in the end as well. Elijah struggled with depression and fear. The woman at the well had tons of failed marriages, lived with a man that wasn't her husband. She converted her entire town to Jesus Christ. Paul was a Christian murderer. Peter, who's the rock of our church, denied Jesus while he was standing right there. Thomas was a chronic doubter. Brian, a former addict who's going to spend the rest of his life helping lead people to Jesus that have these similar problems. Praise Jesus. My story, but now I want to shout it from the rooftops. I was ashamed. I didn't want to, but now I've never been closer to God. I've never been healthier, and I want to spend the rest of my life telling my story because if He's for us, who can be against us? Just don't care. In 2 Corinthians 12, Paul quotes Jesus, who said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God is perfect in every way, giving Him the power to make up for any weakness we have, and we have a lot. So here's the deal. If you think that you are way too broken, just like he said, if you are way too far, here's the way I look at it. The more broken you are, the more our Jesus shines. The more broke you are, the more his power shows. And that's what he's done for my life. And I'm just going to end with this. This is the verse of my life now that I live by. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Give it up for Brian one time. Man, thank you. Thank you, both of you, wherever Krista went. Thank you for your vulnerability and transparency. Your testimony is going to lead many to Jesus. I believe that. So let's pray. Stretch out your arms. Lord, we thank you for Brian in the name of Jesus. God, thank you for the call that's on his life to be a minister of the kingdom, Lord. To be an evangelist, God. God, I thank you that it says, beautiful are the feet that bring good news. Lord, I thank you that Brian will be a fisher of men, leading many, hundreds, maybe even thousands to the Lord. God, we believe that there is a call on his life. And we just pray, Lord, that you would empower him. Help us walk alongside him. Help us encourage him on the days it's tough, Lord, and wrap our arms around this beautiful family, Lord. Bless them, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.
welcoming Jonathan up if you're joining us online. Jonathan, my man, yes, sir. Good job, you got it, man. That shirt is like my jersey on me, man. Let's go. He's going to stand. Jonathan, do you have anything you want to share? No? Hey, don't let others look down on you because you're young, but set the example in speech, life, and faith and purity. This man has a call in his life. The maturity that's already in this little kid's heart. Eric, I don't know if there's anything you want to share or not. Okay. I am so excited to see what God does through this young man's life. Would you stretch out your arms? Let's pray for him. God, we thank you for Jonathan. We think about Jonathan in the Bible, and we think about how he was a selfless warrior of God, one that considered others' needs before his own, that would even give away his armor to serve someone else. God, I thank you that the servant likeness of Christ lives and breathes in this young man's heart. God, I pray that he would not let others look down on him because of his age, but he would set the example in speech and life and faith and impurity. God, would you use this man to raise up an army, an army of men one day, men and women and children under his leadership. God, I thank you for the call of God on his life. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. And her dad, Christian, is going to help me baptize her. Marissa, is there any uh, testimony that you want to share? Okay, I'll hold the mic for you here. Just hang on to that phone real good. (laughs) Ever since I was young, I've always known Jesus and had a relationship with him. It wasn't until I switched from public to Christian school that I noticed um, a stronger, more intimate relationship as I was learning more about him and his love for me. I was able to become closer to him and I noticed a change in myself. Sorry. (laughs) I know that my heart has changed for the better because of my Savior Jesus Christ. Now that I'm getting older and starting my freshman year of college, a lot of things are changing and I need him more than ever. And I figured it's time to let everyone know that he saved me. It's beautiful. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Marissa. God, thank you. She is your daughter, a daughter of the Most High, a child of the King. And Lord, I thank you that when the world wants her to settle for less than God's best, God, that you have made her for royalty, for a beautiful plan that you have, plans to prosper her and not to harm her. God, if you are for her, who could be against her? God, we pray for her, the Hobeyoso family. God, we just pray your hedge of protection, your blessing. Lord, let the confidence of Christ be their strength. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.
We're going to go ahead and continue to worship, so go ahead and stand. Uh-oh, we got a spontaneous baptism. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Erica, you want to hold the mic for a second and share? So this is Miss Clara. She decided this morning, just now, that she wants to get baptized. You want to say something? Ever since I was little, I've loved Jesus so much. And I've went to church since I was a little baby. Um, and very recently, like a year ago, I've been coming to this church, and I've just loved it so much. And I've been wanting to let Jesus into my heart today. Praise God. Good up for Clara. That's amazing. Thanks for your boldness to share, too. Let's pray for Clara. Would you stretch out your hands? God, we thank you for Clara. God, just thank you that she is your daughter. Lord, thank you for the boldness that she has to stand for you, God. Lord, I thank you that she'll have the boldness to speak on behalf of you, God, even when it's not popular, it's not cool, or God, even if people are giving her a hard time about this Jesus, Lord, I thank you that scripture says that she is blessed, that she is highly favored, she is chosen, God, for incredible things of this kingdom, God. Bless and protect her life, help her lead many to you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.